The Boho Bride Guide with Jenny Maynard. A podcast, blog and directory that shines a spotlight on the many hidden gems of extraordinary wedding vendors and services from across the southwest of the UK. We will uncover top tips, hints and advice from the experts that specialise in creating your dream boho-inspired wedding day and how to stick to your guns and get the day you really want. Get inspired, be bold and blaze your own trail and make your day unique to you. Welcome to today's episode of the Boho Bride Guide podcast. If this is the first time you have tuned in, it is great to have you with us. Our podcast is dedicated to UK couples currently on their wedding planning journey to create their very own Boho-inspired wedding day. You are here with me, Jenny Maynard, the creator of the BohoBrideGuide.com. And today I am very excited to welcome to the show Kelsey Gitchum, founder of Bohemia Beauty, a vegan and cruelty-free makeup artist based in the southwest of the UK. Today we will be talking all things skin. We will be hearing about Kelsey's own relationship with her own home skin growing up and the journey to heal numerous skin conditions along the way, as well as building her own skin confidence, which later led her to want to help other women on their wedding day to feel the best version of themselves through the use of makeup. Kelsey will be clearing up many misconceptions around vegan and cruelty-free makeup and um, what that means both for the supply chain of the products and for the consumer. Kelsey will also share with us her top tips for selecting your makeup artist for your very own big day. So welcome, Kelsey, to the Boho Bright Guy podcast. It is great to have you on the show. Um, So Kelsey, let's dive straight in. And I wonder if you could share a little bit with us about uh, about yourself, what you're all about, uh, what your business is all about, and what brought you to the world of uh, bridal makeup. Hi, yeah, so I'm um, obviously a makeup artist. Uh, I trained in special effects. I did a media makeup degree um, and that was where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And then I picked up weddings. I thought, oh, this will be something I can do in the meantime while I'm trying to do all the other stuff. And I've ended up, I really like it and wanted to stick with it. So, um, and I learned more about like the beauty side and the beauty industry and like you say with vegan, cruelty-free beauty and um, kind of like the power we have as consumers. And I'm like, I want to, learn more about this and and do more with it so um that's what I've stuck with right so from your special effects sort of background what in particular pulled you to the the wedding world what how did that start yeah well I I still do a bit of special effects work on the side which is great because I get to like best of both worlds yeah um to be honest I started it and I was like oh this can be a bit of extra income while I'm trying to make it in the movies and then I ended up like I say I was like this is actually really fun and I like it so I'm gonna stay here instead yeah what is it that you really sort of liked about the bridal makeup world I love that like I've always loved weddings and been fascinated with weddings and just love love and all that stuff um and it's really nice to be a part of that for someone's day and like even with like when I train in special effects you still get the same response from brides when you look in the mirror and they're like oh my god I look amazing and I feel and I feel amazing and that's that's what I really like is how they feel afterwards you you as a makeup artist have a major impact on that self-confidence and that that sort of inner 
in a vibrancy, I suppose, for that for that mm-hmm. lady that's getting married that that morning. So that that must be really special. That must be really yeah. special. <gasps> and it's God. a lot of fun, like getting ready with the girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. You 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 catch all that excitement mm-hmm. and the the butterflies in the tummy uh, moments. Definitely. Yeah. <gasps> okay, and so at Bohemia Beauty, your business. What um, expand on what your ethos is there. Um, you yeah. mentioned the vegan and cruelty free but give us a bit more what, what that's all about yeah well I, I mean I've always thought it's important to buy cruelty free products anyway um like I say I feel like as a as the person who buys a lot of makeup where I put my money and put my support is somewhat important mm-hmm. um and personally I kind of feel it sounds a bit dramatic but there isn't any need to be buying products that are tested on animals these days like there really isn't yeah. Um, but a lot of people kind of don't really know what is and what isn't and what that means. So trying mm-hmm. to sort of promote it through my business can help both put my money in, support the companies I want to support, as well as give people a bit more information about what that actually means. Brilliant. Um, and just keeping my business as like sustainable as it can be, because I feel like, you know, beauty and cosmetics have a lot to answer for. Sometimes we've got a lot of packaging and excess yeah. and things like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah just trying to it's, and it's cool watching how that's changing and becoming a bit more mainstream to be that way brilliant brilliant and because um you know i i must confess i have limited knowledge on the vegan and cruelty free so when we say cruelty free cosmetics um how as as a consumer how can we check for for the let's go cruelty free first what mm-hmm. what are we checking for when when we um you know when we're going to purchase a new cosmetic there's so there's two like symbols there's the leaping bunny logo and there's I forget the exact name of it but it's another little bunny logo that is okay. assured that it's cruelty free not everything will have that on it um so it's sort of if you're really unsure you can sort of just google it yeah, <laughs> and you yeah, should probably. find out um there's a website I use called cruelty free kitty and they oh. um it's a lady runs that website herself and she's just very dedicated to this sort of thing so yeah. she that has lists of what is and what isn't as well as places that are kind of in grey areas okay. um so I kind of just use that as a a sort of a study guide to go with mm-hmm. that's brilliant yeah and and so cruelty free is all about not testing on animals is there any does it go mm-hmm. into any other sort of areas yeah. specifically about that so yeah the overall is just not products that are tested on animals um okay. uh there does become some difficulty in some companies like there's some brands I use that don't test on animals, but then their parent companies do. So it does become difficult in that way. I kind of hope if people keep buying the cruelty-free options, that's the way they're going to swing. But um, yeah. also any product that's sold in China is required to be tested on animals. Like that's wow. a law for a product to be sold that has to be animal tested. Wow. So companies yeah. such as Benefit, they claim to be cruelty-free because their products sold in the UK aren't animal tested, but they do still sell in China. So that's kind of a profit over welfare kind of situation. And um, yeah. see, that's, wow. a lot of, that's one a thing a lot of people field. don't know about. Yeah, mm. a bit of a minefield out there. And so with that kind of thing, your stance would be um, almost to boycott benefit because they're still um, yeah, selling in, in China. Yeah. Are there, are there many big names like that? that you know of that don't sell in China because of that reason that we can we can take into account as a consumer? Yeah, whether it's for that reason or 
not I'm not entirely sure but um yeah. I use a lot of urban decay products in my kit they yeah. do sell in China and they're you know a popular brand and everything yeah. they are owned I believe it's L'Oreal or Estee Lauder I forget yeah. which one they own most things a big, big a. do mm-hmm. you do have some animal testing policies but like I say I hope that you know if consumers carry on just sticking to the cruelty-free products that change might happen yeah um, like, like you said consumer consumer power isn't it the, yeah. the more we we make that decision then the big businesses will follow follow suit mm-hmm. mm, okay and it's, i know it's something we'll touch on in a bit about sort of misconceptions and um i know a lot of people think that cruelty-free products are often more expensive but the opposite is true often oh, the bigger brands are the ones that are selling in other countries that require these laws and things whereas um, most brands sold in Superdrug are cruelty free and vegan wow okay so so actually by going to your high street by going to your Superdrug they've mm-hmm. made that have they made that stance as a business and then whatever they sell takes that they do uh, still sell some products that are cruelty free uh, not cruelty free or anything but any uh, Superdrug own brand products awesome. are vegan and cruelty free as are quite a few of the makeup brands in there and not all of them quite a few of them are right okay and um, while we're on the subject what are the misconceptions do you come across regularly about cruelty free is yes yeah, it- so that was interesting I, I put out a survey on my social media recently um just yeah. the market research stuff and there was a few interesting things that came back about cruelty free products one of them was which it's more expensive okay. um I think if you think cruelty-free vegan products people have places like holland and barrett in mind and mm-hmm. stuff like that and or places like lush or what have you yeah. um well like i said it's not often the case and um another one was that a few people said they'd love to use these products but they find them irritating on their skin oh. um but there is no reason a, a vegan cruelty-free product would be more annoying to your skin than mm-hmm. one that is for example like something from lush if you've got sensitive skin might irritate your skin because it's very uh centered and there's a lot of stuff going on in there even though it's all natural whereas a l'oreal product for example might not irritate your skin or a dove product but they do test on animals with you with you Mm. okay and so on on that subject you mentioned vegan what just give us a bit of a context about vegan products yes there's not a huge amount of animal products used in cosmetics anyway these days uh, largely it can be um, beeswax and lipsticks and that kind of like texture of products okay and um, if forgive my pronunciation if it's wrong but it's cardamine or cardamine something along those lines yeah um, which is a red pigment which is still made from beetles right um, and that's quite difficult to find uh, like pink and red palettes about that in because it's a really amazing vibrant wow. like coral color okay um, but it's just sort of reducing consumption of animal products as a whole. And that's, again, quite an easy place to cut that out. And um, it also opens up my business to a whole community of people who may not have used it before. And I um, I kind of started with the vegan thing, actually thinking about if you go into like a hair salon or get your nails done or what have you. I know if I was to go to Superdrug or Boots and buy my makeup, I would look if it was cruelty free. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, have I ever actually gone into my hairdressers and thought, what products do they use? Are they cruelty-free? Are they vegan? Um, so eventually that's kind of where I'd like to be, have a, a one-stop shop, so to speak, where, um, if you are vegan or anything, you don't have to worry that you're not going to be getting the products you'd like to use. Yeah. With you, with you. Okay. Another, uh, from your survey, from the vegan point of view, what, what misconceptions came up 
were there any others around the vegan side of products that people thought was correct and actually wasn't? There is a difficulty that some products labeled vegan are not necessarily cruelty free. Um, And obviously, as it's becoming more popular, there are brands out there using this kind of what they call like greenwashing. So making your product look like it's more eco-friendly and what have you when it's not. Um, so I think I Garnier got in a lot of trouble. Yeah, that's uh, an They labelled their products as vegan, but they were tested on animals. So obviously there's that argument like it's got no animal product in it, but it's still been tested on animals. Is it vegan? Yeah. Um, so yeah, just because a product's labelled vegan doesn't mean it hasn't been animal tested. Wow, there's a lot to consider there, isn't there? A yeah. Lot to sort of navigate through for sure. <gasps> Blimey. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's definitely helped me sort of clarify those two um, sort of titles I suppose are all around makeup so I do thank you for that um and so moving on slightly from makeup we I wanted to pick up with you um so when I was in lockdown Mm-hmm. I came across your blog all about skin um, and I, I read it and from a personal stance I really sort of resonated with um, what you had to say um, having sort of bad eczema as a child and, and growing up with that um, so mm-hmm. I wondered if we could sort of start a conversation a little bit about um, that blog post really and your journey with skin and some your sometimes sort of stressful relationship and and basically where you've got to now um sort of with the skin confidence kind of thing I think that would really help a lot of our brides to be out there that you know they're managing a lot of stress they might have had to postpone their wedding and they might they might just be planning their wedding um for next year um and struggling with their skin so I think I think it's a really topical question yeah, I'm, thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed it and it was um, helpful for you. I was really pleased actually to get quite a positive response from that blog, um, especially from like either clients who found that blog and found me that way or who were already booked and whatever. So yeah, mm. it was a really good experience having it written. Um, yeah, so my, my skin and I have had a fun relationship over the last 23 years. Um, I did have sort of mild eczema as a child, but not anything really notable that most children wouldn't go through mm-hmm. um issues kind of started as a teenager when I started getting acne um and kind of more than your average teenager would get um and I went to the doctor about it several times but I was sort of I felt a bit like pawned off as if it's like you're a teenager you'll get over this and I was trialed on antibiotics and things like that but they didn't work and all these different creams and things they didn't do anything um so it wasn't until I was 21 that I was at uni then and um, I had been to see a doctor since I was at uni about it and she was incredibly dismissive and sort of essentially told me to like find a new career if it's going to bother your skin. Really? Um, Yeah she was very very dismissive she was like just don't put makeup on and I sort of explained like well we're in our classroom we were an even number so we used each other for modeling and things like that. Um, So she was very dismissive so I kind of let it go and then I went back again at my doctor at uni um and he was great he was like I can see your I had sort of the whole sob story planned and he didn't need it he was like I can see this is an issue um I'll refer you to a dermatologist and that's when I started taking Raracutin um Raracutin Raracutin some places uh, or isotretinoin all the same thing um so it's quite a intense 
drug for acne treatment it sort of I think I can remember it like um shrinks up any like the glands you have that secretes oil and moisture onto the skin and things like that um so when you're going through the treatment it's very like drying on your skin so mm-hmm. you've got to have a lip balm with you everywhere or you're going to have a terrible day and be moisturizing a lot and things like that yeah. um and I wouldn't want my experience to put anybody off trying it because I was a very unusual case it's not something that most people go through mm. it's not a pleasant drug I don't think for anybody it's not fun but mm. um my skin got particularly dry um and it was flaking off a lot and it was sort of bleeding a lot like around my face and around mm. the eyes it looked like a face mask we would say yeah, I saw the picture you posted yeah mm. it's unreal and typical it was always when I went to my checkup every month that it looked fine so I made sure to take pictures of it and I showed her the pictures and was like this is what I've been talking about Mm. um and she put it down to it does make your skin more sun sensitive um and even though it was November she said this looks like sunburn because of how it's sat around the eyes and kind of like a face mask so um tried all the sun creams and things like that uh but come the end of it I did stick it to the end and Mm. from an acne point of view it was entirely worth doing I've barely had a spot since and it's been a couple of years I've been off of it now um although it does hammer your liver and I can't drink like I used to other than that (laughs) everything's great (laughs) um yeah you're not supposed to drink while you take it so um I had a bit of a shock when I came off of it um but yeah I mean my skin now how long was the treatment um I took it for nine months. It can be shorter. It can be longer. And I was fortunate I didn't need a second dose. Some people need to go on the treatment again. So I was fortunate I didn't need it again. Mm. Um, And and so just taking you back slightly. So you said your skin problems started as a teenager. So between the ages of, say, 13 and 20 or 21, when you actually found a bit of a cure, what... How did that impact you, you know, in your adolescence and and with relationships and confidence? How how did that affect? Yeah, I was actually uh, quite young when I went through all those fun preteen things. I was probably about nine or ten. Wow. Um, So it started, I think it started coming in at about the age of like 10 or 11. Um, Definitely bothered my confidence a lot through Mm. those years. I didn't have all that... um, makeup outlets that teenagers today have so I didn't know any of those kinds of things um and I didn't know anything about skincare either Mm. um so yeah I definitely got I did get me down a lot as a teenager and I definitely um if someone like you know wasn't interested in me or whatever there's big teenage issues I that's sort of I think it would be because of my skin and things like that so yeah I definitely um definitely something I thought about a lot and then when I got into the makeup industry I did kind of think like can I be in this industry especially as social media started cropping up like can I be in this industry with a skin that looks like mine wow Um, even affected your career choices hmm. it's unreal when you you put it in that context it's you know to to, massive isn't it you're when I was sort of learning and like all these new products I didn't know where they were and things like when the really shiny highlighter was really trendy and I'm like well why does that look terrible on my skin but it looks great on all these people and yeah things like that trying to get it in your head how people don't really look like that yeah and you compare yourself to people on you know Mm -hmm. people on Instagram or people that are in the limelight and actually 
you know, whether they're photoshopped or, you know, a lot of the time it's not the true self, is it? That, that you're, yeah, that's very true, that you yeah. That you see. So you're comparing yourself to something that's false, which yeah. just damages confidence even further, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Definitely. And and so from um so from your experience growing up with acne and, and then finding a solution, what if there's brides out there or brides to be out there that are listening today that you know that have got a wedding planned, but they you know, whether it's they've been affected confidence-wise as a child growing up with skin issues mm-hmm. to potentially actually having issues at present what sort of advice would you give to them from a, a confidence point of view, really? Yeah, the, the drugs I took were, they are like a last last resort. So, because mm. um, some people have said to me, like, your skin looks amazing, can I go on it? And my answer is always no, and I'm not going to tell you what it's called if that's yeah. the attitude you have. Yeah. Um, so it's not like a, a quick fix solution. And I did also, when I was sort of struggling with it, think like, it was kind of sad that, because, you know, my acne is not a health issue or anything like that. So we're going through all of this just to get rid of a few spots and I was like that is actually kind of sad but it doesn't need to go away I just wanted it to Mm. um so I'd say if people are struggling it's I would start maybe to learn learn a bit about skincare I knew nothing about skincare and I think if I did it probably actually would have helped me out a lot yeah um I think a common misconception is if you've got oily skin is you shouldn't be moisturizing it which isn't true at all Mm -hmm. if you find like an oily skin friendly moisturizer get on with it and it's yeah. great yeah okay um and treat yourself to a facial <laughs> spend okay. a bit of money on yourself do something yeah. a bit so what would a facial do then if you if you if you were able to have a regular facial on the run-up say to your wedding what benefit yeah. would someone get from that so I wouldn't I would say if you were going for a facial go for, um no closer than sort of three weeks before your wedding okay um because it just sort of if you get one that's very deep cleansing or whatever, it drags all the rubbish out of your skin. So you can come up in a few spots and redness like a few weeks after your facial. Okay. Um, but so that's why if you have one sort of a week before your wedding day, you might actually look worse when oh. the wedding day comes than a few weeks after. But yeah. it just drags those impurities and stuff out. And as well, it just makes you feel quite nice. Yeah. To like take some time for yourself and like, and if you're doing the same with uh, practicing skincare at home as well, it's like, five minutes morning and or evening to sort of sit and look at yourself a bit and get used to it and just sort of it sounds a bit naff but telling yourself that it's all right and yeah um and I feel good as well once my skin's cleansed and moisturized and things it it feels nice you are worthy you are worth Mm -hmm. spending this time morning and night to just nourish nourish your face and nourish you know have have that headspace almost because we all live such busy lives and we fill our time up to the brim actually Mm -hmm. if if your skin is something that is um an issue for you or a confidence issue then Mm -hmm. just just invest that time isn't it and um, uh, we had um sally jackson on a couple weeks ago um the on the podcast and she was talking about sort of gut health and actually how our skin is sort of symptomatic of what you put in your body as well and how mm-hmm. you're treating your body it's it um, I mentioned you mentioned in the blog that the skin is the biggest organ in the body yeah. on, or on the body um and so if your skin's telling you that something's not quite right then there's it's worth having a look at 
you know, your your gut health and your mental health. Um, yeah, it's all, all part of the same, the same being, mm-hmm. isn't it? Oh, yeah. No matter what skin issue I've had of, of the few that I've gone, you know, I've had, it's, it's stress is the biggest trigger for any of them. Yeah. Um, it always is. And um, any in like rubbish. And yeah. it always sounds a bit patronising, but, you know, drink some water and yeah. <laughs> have yeah. some good stuff. Get nourish, nourish your body and, and yeah. the skin symptom will come out. Yeah. Um, but it's, I suppose it's, it's almost making the time. I know from my point of view, um, being, being home with two little ones. And if, if I was mm. organizing a wedding, it's, it's hard to even sometimes prioritize that five minutes morning and night, but yeah, of course. we'll definitely get that benefit. Um, longevity mm-hmm. wise, if, if you stick with it for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's also important for, for brides or anyone to bear in mind that, um, Everybody feels the same way. I obviously see a lot of women with no makeup on and I'm very close to their face and they all get a bit embarrassed and they're like, oh, I've got, I've got hairs here or I've got redness here or I've got this there. And like every single person I see has something along those lines yeah. and they all look fine to me. <laughs> yeah. And, and unfortunately, we emphasise all of our imperfections. You know, we see it like in a magnifying glass. That's it actually like you said it's all normal we've all got it you know it's yeah. just a matter of you know finding that skin confidence and feeling the best um you've ever felt on your wedding day and your it, yeah your expertise helps those women get to that point um on their big day which is such a special job such a mm. special job. <laughs> um, I also wanted to ask you, um, so as a bridal makeup artist, what would your top tips be for brides to be out there if they haven't yet booked their um, makeup artist? Um, what sort of things would you um, like recommend considering if you're a bride to be out there? Yeah, I mean, makeup artists, I think the same as yourself. We could be versatile, but we definitely will have our own styles. And um, for example, if someone came to me and they, they had this real high glamour, gorgeous, stunning look in mind, I could probably execute it, but it wouldn't come out the way they had it in in their minds. And there is somebody out there who's way more specialised in that style of makeup than yeah. I am and yeah. vice versa. And um, I definitely sort of learnt on the job early days that I can't please everybody. So yeah. I don't, don't try, try to please them. everybody anymore. Yeah, um, totally. What would you say your makeup niche is then, Kelsey? Um, definitely like more natural styles and like I love a sort of summer glow kind of look. So nice. um, people who come to me generally say I, I want to look like myself, just a bit nicer. Oh, lovely. So yeah, definitely okay. a more natural style. Um, so, so top tip one would be uh, find a makeup artist that um, specialises in the style of makeup that you want. Absolutely. Yeah? And to okay. check their um, their portfolio as well as their prices. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's your wedding day at the end of the day, so it should be the portfolio and, and not the price. Yeah. yeah. So definitely okay. finding someone who's got the same same vision as you. And I guess mm-hmm. to start with that, I've probably done it a bit backwards, but it would also be to kind of have an idea of what you'd like. Um, true. Okay. So almost, there's so much amazing inspiration out there, but yeah. if you could sort of find some sort of idea of what you think you might like. Okay. And how, how where would be a good place to start for um, brides-to-be that haven't really considered makeup as yet? 
Pinterest. Yeah, <laughs> Always is. On Pinterest. Pinterest is taking over the world, doesn't it, in weddings, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And if yeah. you know the kind of like um, style of wedding, like obviously if you're here, it's probably a boho wedding. So if you go just whatever theme of wedding you like and just stick the word makeup on the end of it, you'll get great Ooh. pictures and inspiration. And Okay. And for then almost to then find some makeup artists that align with that look, Mm-hmm. Um, and then what would they bring those potential photos to you show show you what they've got in yeah, mind reference into images are really helpful yeah um from my point of view especially because I offer hair and makeup but hair is not as much my specialist as makeup is um so I kind of offer again anybody who just kind of would like it curled and pinned up and things yeah it seems silly for them to hire a separate hair artist but um yeah someone's got something super complex in mind I'm happy to tell them like I'm not your gal <laughs> for that one. Um, yeah. So yeah, reference images are really helpful, and also why we have um, a trial session before as well. If you can make a trial session, that's really helpful. So would that be the third top tip? So to to book a trial to just double check from the artist's point of view and from your point of view to make sure yeah, that absolutely you're both on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to make sure you've got the same thing in both of your heads as to what you're yeah. going to look like when this is done with you and is there a sort of time scale that you'd say to get your trial in for before the day wedding date what do you tend to say I give a roughly six months um it can be maybe four to six months because then you've got sort of long enough if you if you change your mind and if you I'd say if you have a trial with a makeup artist and you want to change your mind don't be well be polite about it but don't yeah. you know be too polite about it and book her anyway that's what your trial yes. is for you you do so, it to you kind of thing if yeah. it's not right then so six months fine. can give you time to find someone else if you feel like you have to or do you have any further trials with your artist if you want to do that but also it's not yeah. so far away that you're going to forget everything that you did <laughs> yeah okay no that makes sense that makes sense brilliant and, and are there any other so we've talked about three top tips are there any others that we haven't talked about uh don't wash your hair on the day of your wedding wash it the day before ah, okay and what's that all about what why is um, that so? especially anyone with hair texture like mine that's very fine it's if I try and style my hair on, on the day I've washed it, it's so soft and okay. light that it's not going to do anything. If you've got a bit of bit of grease and a bit of dirt in there, it yeah. makes it stay better and it um, just makes it yeah, easier to style. Natural product. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a re- that's a good one. Perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And um, I suppose sort of a, as a leaving comment, then Kelsey. So we, you've thank you for your top tips and I will make a note of them and get them out on social media actually because we want more people to uh, consider these things um but what would your so if if people uh, brides-to-be are listening today um from a, a skin confidence point of view what would your sort of leaving message be to them I'd say that everybody's in the same boat they're, they're not alone and whatever their concern may be I've definitely met somebody else with exactly the same one mm-hmm. and I have never looked at one of my clients and thought she needs to sort her skin out yeah <laughs> yeah you know nobody's and it's easy to really say like nobody sees those flaws but it's true yeah yeah no that's for sure we, we are our own biggest critic aren't we mm-hmm. um and at the end of the day it is your your wedding day and you are marrying the love of your life who sees you as gorgeous every day yeah. all day anyway um and so you know 
as a makeup artist from your point of view you are just enhancing that natural beauty um, and making them feel as confident as as they can be on their day yeah that's it and I mean, I think any concerns you have about your skin will probably be forgotten about in the first hour of your day anyway. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Much more fun things to be doing. Yeah, okay. Amazing. And so thank you so much, Kelsey. I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, but for listeners that have tuned in, um, I'm, I've got your website here to If you want to find out more about Kelsey's services and uh, more importantly, blog, um, I would definitely recommend a read there. Um, it's www.bohemiabeauty.org. And Kelsey is also on Instagram and that's bohemiabeauty underscore. And I've got the Facebook as Bohemia Beauty. If you put that in, you'll find Kelsey's page. Um, thank you so much. I cannot thank you enough for uh, featuring on the Boho Bride Guide podcast today, Kelsey. Oh, thanks and, for um, asking me. No, you're very, very welcome. And um, yeah, I'm sure our paths will definitely cross uh, due to the, the collective mm-hmm. group going forward. Yes. So thank you. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks very much. No worries. Um, and I've got uh, just a little note to say, this is actually the last episode of season one. Where did the summer go? I know 2020 has been quite a year for us all, um, especially in the wedding industry. But I do hope season one has brought you some cheer and it has been full of uh, useful advice and tips from our wedding experts that have joined us. Um, season two of the Boho Bride Guide podcast will follow straight on from episode this episode, uh, but we'll have a slightly stronger emphasis on a campaign that I hold close to my heart. Um, And so for those of you that follow us on social media, uh, you will have seen some of my posts introducing um, our very own I Am Boho Beautiful campaign. Um, And it's created to challenge the stereotypical white, slender, fair-haired, able-bodied boho bride in inverted commas depiction that we see all across social media. And we have been led to believe that this is the norm. But for many brides out there, this narrow representation of a boho bride cannot be related to in any way and therefore results in them feeling ostracised, unworthy and underserved by the wedding industry. Um, I want women out there on their wedding planning journey to find their inner confidence and self-belief and truly feel fearless and beautiful in the skin they're in without feeling the need to change anything about themselves just for their wedding day. After all, their partner who they are looking to marry chose them for who they are, just the way they are, and no change is needed. So believe it. In season two, we'll be dedicating, dedicated to exploring many topics surrounding wedding day body confidence and the stresses and pressures that come with arranging a wedding and how to navigate the world of other people's opinions and stay true to yourself and get the wedding day you truly want and feel 100% of the best version of you. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast now and get automatically notified when our new episodes are released. So I will see you next time. Take care. You've been listening to the Boho Bride Guide. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics discussed in today's episode, please do subscribe to the series. Our fabulous wedding vendor interviewed in today's episode will be featured on our website within the podcast show notes section. So to find their details, hop over to www.thebohobrideguide.com. You can tweet us at the Boho Bride Guide. 
Search Instagram for at the Boho Bride Guide or find us at facebook.com forward slash the Boho Bride Guide.